Welcome. This is a special edition of To a Certain Degree. We call it Odd Numbers. We meaning me. Every other Monday, I have a guest in, usually a returning guest from the regular show, and we talk about five songs and five other things. In this case, it's obscure albums. This episode features Miller John of the To Be Decided YouTube channel. He was on talking about some of the obscure albums that really speak to him, that have really influenced him, and I do the same thing, which was pretty fun. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. You can go to toacertaindegree.com. Oh, boy. You can visit a site called toacertaindegree.com and let me know what you think of this. If you'd ever like to be a guest or you know somebody who would like to be a guest, let me know that as well. They might be giants on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Actually, you're not listening to a certain degree. This is a new show that I'm trying out this week. I've got a very special guest, very patient and special guest. Miller, John, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Uh, there we go. All right. So today we're going to talk, we're, we're going to talk about obscure albums. Yes. So we are going to do something called uh, what I'm calling odd numbers, which is the name of the show. And so each of us came with five songs and five obscure albums. This was a topic that you wanted to cover. So Miller, you've been on a few times. Yeah, I have. And this is the, the first time for this specific uh, formula of the show. So I'm very interested to, to be the, the kind of lab rat, as it were. The guinea pig, of course. Everybody does. Who doesn't like to be a lab rat slash guinea pig? So that was the first song that I chose specifically for the show. It's a They Might Be Giants has been around since the 80s. They started out as a uh, sort of art band, art installation type of band, avant-garde sort of thing. You could actually at one point call in and they would record a song on an answering machine. So that's how you heard some of their new music uh, for a while. But that one is a later one. I think it was late 90s, early 2000s before they started getting into really their kid Disney phase of things. And it's a song that really helps me wake up in the morning. Even though if you listen to the lyrics, it's a little disturbing. Like it's about a person who is uh, thinking that somebody has stolen their medication, even though it's just Advil and is seeing things and is maybe having a little bit of breakdown, which I think we all feel like sometimes, like somebody's moving my stuff around and I don't know about it. Isn't that the Malcolm in the Middle soundtrack? That is not. That is not. No, that's You're Not the Boss of Me. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another so, good They Might Be Giant song. That is. They do have a lot of good songs. So that's one that I wanted to play this morning. And so that was my first song. And so what we have now is your first album. And so b- before we get into it, though, obscure albums. What do you consider an obscure album? So it could be obscure in terms of just nobody knows about it and you like it and it's really good or it could be obscure in terms of the sound which is the least important part we don't want just really popular albums that sound weird because that's not really that obscure it has like an obscure sound but you know it's not actually and then there's just albums that are so weird and maybe a couple people know about it but it's just you got to talk about it so the first one i want to talk about is David Bowie's very first self-titled record. Now, the reason I consider this obscure, because David Bowie's not obscure. He's one of the most popular songwriters of all time. Right, everybody knows him, yeah. Yeah. 
But this album, it's obscure because, well, mainly because there hasn't been a CD reissue in the USA for 20 years. The one I got, I got from a used record shop, and it was like $5. It came out 20 years ago. CD, and not CD. vinyl. Okay. Vinyl, there was actually a reissue on Record Store Day, which it was basically, you got two copies of the album. One was on blue, one was on red. One was in mono, one was in stereo, which is not really worth it because the album is not very good. This is my least favorite album that we will be talking about, and it's probably the most popular. How is it mo- the most popular? Well, I mean... Does it have a lot of the hits? No, it just it doesn't have any hits, pretty much, but it's David Bowie, so people are going to know about it. Oh, most popular out of the five that you're talking about today. Yeah. I gotcha. So what is it about? I mean, can you hear when you listen to it? And you're you're a big Bowie fan. Yeah. So when you listen to his later stuff, does this one sort of, you can kind of tell the direction that he's going? Does it really set him up for the later, even the second, third, fourth, fifth albums? Uh, Well. Or is it a completely different sound? I don't think it's completely different sound. There's certainly, he tries to go for a very Beach Boys, Beatles type songwriter vibe, like the psychedelic Baroque pop of that era. This was 1967, so he's 20 years old. But I think and the he had most, to change his name, right? No, this, he was under David Bowie for this one. No, 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 because his name is David Jones. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah he changed yeah. his name. And this this album, the main thing is the lyrical content, because the lyrical content is easily the weirdest thing about this album. It is the first song, for some reason it deals a lot in childhood, like imagination, kids living in imagination land, Uh, and then it kind of twists that on its head for the last couple songs, but the first song is about a man-child who can't grow up, still lives with his parents, uh, reads comic books, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Pretty happy, disposable, instrumental a lot of the stuff is a bit just kind of disposable 60s pop rock. And then uh, We Are Hungry Men, that's a song. It's this really dystopian tune about population control. And it talks about mass abortion and infertility. Ooh. Yeah. And there's this German man, which I guess is supposed to be like a kind of a Nazi standard. Yeah. Uh, and he's talking about if you breathe more than your allotted amount of air, you will be slaughtered. It's wow. just a really So it goes from strange... very light to very dark. And right before that song, it's, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's, it's, there is a happy land. It's just a very overly cutesy song about kids playing in imagination land. And it's, it's kind of weird. It just the shifts, it goes... Very strange from one topic to another. And the last song is just, ooh, it's, a, it's so, there's no instrumental. It's just, the background is rain. And David Bowie is like a nasally murderer. He's sneezing every once in a while, and he's talking to a gravedigger. It's called Please, Please Mr. Gravedigger. And it's, he talks to the gravedigger about murdering a 10-year-old and ooh. then murdering the gravedigger. Well, and uh, consistent. it just kind of ends on a very disturbed, creepy, haunted note. And I just think it, it may not be a, a good listen, but it's certainly an interesting listen. Even when, like, this is the worst David Bowie re- record I've heard. And it still, you know, kind of keeps you on your toes. 
That's uh, that's very interesting. So do you feel like he was exploring a little bit? He was testing out sort of his boundaries? Uh, possibly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he recorded a lot of these songs on different record labels, so maybe some of them got him kicked off. I wouldn't know. But, yeah, it's just a really strange album. And he hated this album. He never wanted it reissued. That's why you still can't get it new on CD today, because... Because his next album, Space Oddity, it was originally called David Bowie, so it was second self-titled record. So he had two self-titled records for a while. I see. So maybe he made this one, the first one, and he was like, you know, this isn't me at all. This doesn't represent me. He found his voice afterwards. Yeah. And that became an embarrassment for him. Because basically after Space Oddity, it was just up from there. Because So Space Oddity, then Man Who Sold the World, then... Hunky Dory, then Ziggy Stardust, then Aladdin Sane, and then all the stuff he did through the 70s and 80s. So I've got an artist uh, for one of my obscure albums that, you know, basically had an album coming out every year. You don't really see that from artists anymore, right? Like David Bowie was prodigious in the 70s, right? He came out with a bunch of stuff uh, in late 60s, you know, through the 70s. Um, One of my artists, one of the albums that I have coming up, it from 77 or 78 through 89 basically had an album come out every year. You don't really see that anymore with a lot of artists, do you? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, I well, mean, on the hip hop side, on the hip hop side, definitely. On the rock side, well, it depends because David Bowie he had an album coming out sometimes, multiple albums coming out. Like, I'm pretty sure Aladdin Sane and Ziggy Stardust came out within the, the same year. year, yeah. And he had that up till I think I counted it, it was like late 80s so we had through like 69 or 70 through all the way up to the late 80s and hip-hop artists especially they make a lot of like Rockhampton Kanye West well he doesn't make an album every year but he makes huge albums and if he doesn't make huge albums then he makes multiple albums and (laughs) that kind of stuff that's what I want to do if I can't make it if this radio show isn't huge I'm going to make multiple shows yeah, I really do think that multiple albums within the span of a couple years or just within a year, that's like a new trend for you a think? lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just make your album super long or super short. That's one of the other things. But I guess I'm thinking of the bigger pop artists. They don't typically, Kanye West being the exception to that, but a, uh, I'm trying to think of the bigger bands anymore. Like, I don't even know who that is. Uh, Weekend? Yeah, or Taylor Swift, if you go super poppy. They're not necessarily coming out with an album every year. They do an album, and it's this big event, and then they go on a tour for 16 months, and then they recover, and then a year and a half later, you get a new album. Yeah, it really just depends on the band. there's, There's a lot of bands doing much more prolific stuff, prolific stuff, and there's a lot more bands doing just... They wait like six years. Fleet Foxes had, they just waited six years to put out another album. Right. Which was very good. It was worth the wait, but. Still. Okay. So going back, David Bowie, self titled first album. Would you recommend it to people? Uh, if you're a David Bowie fan and you want to see where he came from, and if you just want to listen to an interesting album, because this album is very interesting, but it's not very good. So when you say interesting, like you're not going to necessarily put this on a mixtape, put any of the songs on a mixtape. 
unless you're doing a mixtape about dystopian futures. Yeah. There's there's a lot of obscure albums that aren't necessarily good to listen to, but they are, you know, it makes you think. Oh. It makes you your noggin. It makes your noggin. It makes your noggin go. Nog. Yes. Yes, that's a good call. All right. Well, thank you for that. We're going to uh, start out with your first song. What are we going to listen to here, Miller? So this this band I took a lot of searching because I, I saw it on a Rate Your Music list, and it's called Propose, except it's spelled P-R-0-P-0-S-E. Okay. It's spelled with zeros. And it's an EP called Propose, spelled the same way. And the song is called Propose, featuring, oh shoot, I got to get the feature right. I like uh, how they're giving away their password as well. I'm, I'm 90% sure that's also their password, except the E is probably a three in their password. Featuring, uh, shoot, Chu Bacabra. Chu Chu Gatagoto. Chu Chu Gatagoto. Chuchu Gatagoto. Yeah, the song is the song name is in Japanese, but I translated it and it said propose. So it's just their their stuff. Say type. his name one more time because that's an amazing name. Chuchu Gatagoto. <laughs> I got to go. Let's got to go to some music. I got to go to to some music. This is propose, propose on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. This episode is brought to you by Shotgun Bedding. Sometimes you need a bed, and you need it fast. Who you gonna call? You're gonna call the friendly neighborhood sleep installation experts. This isn't just a mattress we're bringing to your house, where you don't exactly know where it's coming from. It's a space-age foam polymer that is shot at a high velocity wherever you want, in whatever shape you want, and it'll be stuck there for years. Instant bed. That's there forever. As with most of our products, don't ingest it, look at it directly, or allow your mind to give in to the dark thoughts while lying on top of it. Order your comfy shotgun bedding at toacertaindegree.com. Repose on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. The song, the same name. The EP, the same name. That's right. Is that everything? So that's that's one of a couple Japanese songs that I will be playing on here. All the other ones are uh, not Japanese. Okay. So Propose, I don't know anything about. It was a miracle I could find that EP. Uh, I basically had to search their record label and then download it from there that's that's all i could find it it's not on spotify it's not on itunes so if you want to listen to that song again you're gonna to have to search for it you're gonna to have to go find it does it feel better when you've earned it like that i do like think you, so does it in a way sound better right yeah because you, you really have to you know you gotta you gotta make sure that you 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 get it and you got it so yeah what's your album so my first album, I really like that song, by the way. I really like how um, light it is. And even though I didn't understand a word, obviously, it was, uh, it was really catchy. Mm-hmm. All right. My album is Bruce McCullough. He is a member of the Kids in the Hall. So in 1995, around 1995, I think they broke up. So this is a group, a uh, comedy troupe, uh, Canadian, that was together from, I think, about the mid-'80s. They had started taking classes at the Improv uh, or somewhere in Toronto. I can't remember. No, SCTV. No, uh, Second City. Sorry. Second City in Toronto in the 80s, if I remember correctly. If I don't, this is close to the story. So I think that's the most important thing is that you're close to the story. 
Uh, and they got together. They were really good together. They did a TV show for a while after doing a stage show for a bit. And he recorded an album. And so what I think is interesting is comedy albums were in many cases very specialized. There wasn't a huge audience for them unless it was an Eddie Murphy, a uh, um, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. You see a lot of those in the used record shops and stuff like that. But there were a ton of them out there. And so this came out in 95. And I can't remember exactly when I got it, but I remember listening to it and going, okay, this is at some point... I want to do something like this. What he did was he mixed these sort of, instead of comedy albums being just uh, a series of bits or even a live show that somebody has done, uh, in the case of Monty Python, they would come out with a lot of their bits uh, just recorded. And so that was interesting because what they had to do was either translate some of them or make sure that the, the visualization came across, like you could use your imagination to imagine what the bit was. But this was music and him sometimes talking, sometimes kind of singing along, but in a very dry way. Like he knows he's not a singer. And it was so incredibly insightful. It was so, I don't know what it was. You know, sometimes the album comes out and it's at a time in your life when you really need that message. And that's why it becomes part of your repertoire, if you will. And so maybe that's what David Bowie is for you, for example. Uh. And no. so, yeah, so there was just a bunch of songs on here that made you or made me laugh very much. I think there were a couple here like uh, Vigil, for example, where he describes there's nothing really funny about it at all. He describes being in Seattle for a show and happening to be there. Uh, he happens to be there during the vigil for Kurt um, Cobain. And so it's a little bit of a talk about that. Like, I don't really understand remorse. I don't really understand, uh, you know, being sad about. I've never been to a funeral. But now he's here at that vigil and what he kind of uh, uh, got from that. So there's some stuff that hasn't aged well, and but a lot of it has. And so I think it's a really good one. But I think in general, like the the art of the comedy album, I kind of miss because that was a big part of my life. I remember having a lot of cassettes everyone from Monty Python to Father Guido Sarducci to a lot of the uh, Emo Phillips, a lot of the like 70s and 80s guys. I think the 90s, it became a lot of the stand-ups like uh, Adam Sandler and stuff like that, which are still very funny, but just I just wasn't into anymore. Like comedy albums and stuff like that weren't very, uh, very interesting for me. Yeah, I don't think I have a single comedy album in my uh, collection. Is there anybody you think that you should explore? Because you're, you're doing a good job sort of exploring a lot of different types of music. Yeah. Is there anyone you've come across in terms of the research that you've done in the music or anybody you think that, hey, I should go over and, and check that out? Uh, I'm not sure. I really... Most of the albums I've got are just some really strange stuff and not a lot of them are spoken word. Oh, yeah, I do have... Shut Up, a Little Man by Raymond and Peter. It's basically a an arguing couple. <laughs> it's it's unintentional comedy, but nonetheless, it's still very comedic. Very good. Well, I think that's interesting too because I think that you know you're much more prone, and maybe as culturally because of iTunes and the electronic method in which we get our music now, 
we don't necessarily listen to complete albums anymore. I don't. I know you do. Yeah. So I I think this would be a good time before maybe you get away from that because maybe you don't do that the rest of your life. Maybe you're like me and you get music ADD and you start listening to stuff all over the place and a lot of mixtapes as well. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to listen to that stuff. So I'll have to loan you some things comedy-wise. I don't know. Spoken word's kind of hard to... Because I I listen to a lot of music. If it's very immersive, then I'll listen to it on its own. But if it's very, like, kind of just stuff I've known or it's it's not that intrusive, then I'll just listen to it while doing something else. And I don't know. Spoken word doesn't really... You got to kind of concentrate on that. Well, so I think there's two different kinds, right? Like, so there's the comedy and you have the live show, which is interesting because it feels like you're part of the audience. You're hearing the clapping, you're hearing the other stuff. So it's a little bit more compelling. And then you have the stuff like either Shame Based Man or Firesign Theater, for example, which is really more immersive. What Firesign Theater did was they wrote entire albums, And so what happened was side one was a complete, so it was a lot like the old jazz albums, for example, or a lot of the old experimental albums where the entire side was one big thing. And it was immersive in the sense that there were sound effects. They really worked on it in terms of creating and being immersive. So it might be something to, uh, to think about also completely bizarre, completely strange comedy, not like straightforward comedy at all. Like uh, there was one album called I Think We're All Bozos on This Bus and Clowns played a very big part in it. Not in like a Stephen King it kind of way. Yeah. Still very frightening though. All right. Why don't we listen to another song and then we'll be back. This is Odd Numbers, by the way. So this is the first time trying this. Uh, Thank you very much, Miller, for being here and trying this out with me. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Uh, You can check me out if you want to hear me talk more about music or hear my friend Davis talk about weird stuff, you can find us at youtube.com slash the to be decided. The the to be decided. T-O. Yeah. B-E. Yeah. I just want to make sure because it's spelled out. Decided. D-E-C-I-D-E-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-E-D-
And at his suggestion for a topic, Miller John is here, we had five obscure, is that how you say it? I don't know. You tell me. Obscure albums to pick from. So we've each had one obscure album. That was uh, one of my songs. That was, uh, as I mentioned, Ghost Train from the band Summer Camp. I really like that one as a sort of end of the summer song. So end of the summer for uh, many people here in Central Florida because school's starting really early this year. Yeah, it's a couple days early. August 13th. And so I like it because it just reminds me of... It, it feels like autumn. It feels like the end of the summer. I don't know. There's something about the train, like going home for the summer, like you spent some time somewhere and now you're going home and you're done with it. Right. Are you done with the summer? Is there anything else you wanted to accomplish this summer? I mean, not that much, I guess. Just don't really want it to be over, I suppose. But yeah. yeah. So what is your second album? And my next album I want to talk about is called, Chuck Person's Echo Jams, Volume 1. So I've actually talked about this album before in a full video. You can check that out on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the to be decided. Uh, this is, so Daniel, Lop- uh, excuse me, Daniel Lopatin, uh, that's how you pronounce his name. Very, so he, he, he's better known under the name 10 Tricks Point Never, and one o tricks point never. Yeah, I love that name. It's a he. He produced a lot of very great, very atmospheric electronic music throughout this decade. But before all that, uh, I think in 2010 or 2011, he made these two videos called. Okay, I don't remember what they were called, but they were basically retro, vintage 80s like animations and commercials, kind of chopped and looped and stuff. He put those on his channel, and the the music was, like, commercial music and pop songs. Just commercial very, in the sense of not from commercials. It was well, sometimes stuff from commercials. Okay, so some, but for the most part, songs that had like been released songs. in the 80s. Yeah, 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 so it's these these 80s songs turned into very repetitive, very atmospheric, very slow-moving, strange uh, ambient music, plunderphonics, if you will, and... Yeah, people like so it so plunder much. Plunder phonics because he's plundered other people's stuff. Yeah, I mean that's the genre. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he. So people, he came out with that back in 2010. Yeah. So people like that so much that he decided to release an album. He never released anything else under this name. It was just Chuck Person's Echo Jams Volume One. It was under a very limited cassette run. That's the only way he ever released it. I think he did a second cassette run like a couple years after, but. If you want to listen to it, you're going to have to download it. So download it from a, a well, it's not illegal, but it isn't the official source. Correct. Let's just say that. And But he can't sell it, right? Well, I mean, he did. He did? Yeah, he did. Even though he's uh, getting, did he have the rights to use that music? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the videos on his YouTube channel, they're still up. They're, okay. they're, they're up there. And so... It's very conceptual. It kind of drowns you in nostalgia. Well, not me, because I'm not really nostalgic for because I wasn't alive back then. But it is mainly notable for starting an entire subgenre of plunderphonic kind of electronic music called vaporwave. So vaporwave was people who liked that sound and liked the nostalgia that that kind of came with, and so they basically 
uh, rammed it to the ground in a couple years later and just made a bunch of very low effort slowdowns of 80s musics and really did not fulfill the full potential of Vaporwave. However... So they're not trying, they're not doing anything new to it. They're just taking an 80s song or maybe two 80s songs and slowing them down. Certain people were, but yeah. And, and Chuck Parkson was. Like, it was a very interesting album, but people just kind of didn't expand on it at all. And that's really why Vaporwave, it just kind of got absorbed back into Plenarphonics and ambient and electronic, that kind of stuff. But the ripple effects, I think this album had very influential album because you can still see a lot, because a lot more people are very, uh, use a lot of 80s elements, such as synths. Like, I, th- I think that really, it resonated throughout the internet, especially if you look at a lot of internet artists, you have a lot of vaporwave influences. I think that's interesting. So there's a couple of things there I think is kind of neat, is taking other people's music and making something new out of it. Yeah, that's not right? the only one uh, on of here. Of course. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean of albums that you have? No, no, like uh, the one I'm going to talk about, it It very heavily heavily involves taking other people's music. So almost like instead of playing your own musical instrument, you're, for lack of a better term, you're playing somebody else's musical instrument because you're using them as the basis for something you're creating that's new. Yeah, electronic music, it's not really, you don't use instruments per se. It's more like, the the whole art of it is in the production and in the making it because mm-hmm. you don't like live you can't really play a live electronic music unless you're doing like the synth and stuff and it's all original if you're sampling stuff then it's kind of like you're just sorry i kind of lost my train of thought uh you're but... just kind of reusing stuff yeah yeah so let me ask you about being nostalgic though because i think mm-hmm. that's interesting i never thought about it that way do you think you can be nostalgic for a time that you've never lived? No. What about people who read a lot of historical fiction, like the Renaissance, for example? Well, that's not really nostalgic. That's more like a quest for information. You could be nostalgic about your quest for information. But, be- I, but I am really nostalgic about the 60s after reading a lot of stuff about it and hearing a lot of people talk about it. Well, are you nostalgic for the 60s or are you nostalgic for what you read about? All I'm saying is I wish I'd been born in the 60s. Or I guess in the 50s. Or maybe even in the 40s so I could hang out in the 60s. I don't know about that. I'm not really nostalgic for the 60s. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tend to reject nostalgia because I think it holds us back in many cases. So like 80s music to me is the height of music nostalgia because I think so many people think it's the best era ever. And I talk to people who are younger who definitely didn't grow up in that time who think that it's the best era of music ever. And it's because they heard that from other people. It's really people. There are some very catchy tunes that came out during that time. Mm -hmm. There's some very good albums that came out during that time. Sure. However, I do think that most decades are equal. Like, we're going to look back on the 2000s and the 2010, uh, 2010s. They're going to have some great classic albums. Like, even the 2000s, we already have Arcade Fire Funeral. We have Gorilla's Demon Days. We have, uh, let's see, a bunch of Radiohead stuff. Sure. Like, uh, basically, Kid A onwards, very the highly looked stripes. at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could uh, go yeah. on and on. A lot of good stuff came out then. I think it's it's comparable to the 90s, 80s, and 70s. Yep. 
I think you're right. And a lot of genres very much improved, like hip-hop. Hip-hop in the 90s and in the early 2000s is completely different from what you hear uh, today. Like, it, it's completely shifted. Like, you almost see no boom-bap artists in the, like, popular, like, pop rap. I was just thinking, we don't have enough boom-bap artists now. It's a silly genre name, but it's 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 serious. Okay. Yeah, I'm not making fun of it, if that's what you're saying. Okay, so what is our next song, Miller? The next song, oh, let's see. Uh, It's Milo's song. It's called Zen Scientist, featuring Micah Nine. So Milo, underground rapper, uses a lot of abstract stuff in his rap songs. Uh, This one's completely clean. I just love the synth on this one. I love his lines. The wordplay is just magical. And uh, A lot of his references are very interesting as well. Like, you can... You can hear it. You can kind of listen to it again and again and get something new out of it each time. It's very, very lets the soul fly on this one. All right. Milo on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. This episode is brought to you by Fly Me to the Prune. Speaking of sustainability, get all your local greens, blues, and other colorful produce without cars and with catapults. Our food delivery system is as organic as it is dangerous. Place your order today at toacertaindegree.com. Milo on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the Zen Scientist. Zen Scientist featuring Mike Nine. Hi, I'm Miller. Hi, Miller. I'm Nick. Yeah, and you're listening to... Odd Numbers. numbers. Odd Numbers. This is the pilot episode? This is the pilot episode of Odd Numbers. So, wanted to do something. You're usually listening to a certain degree at this time of day, at this hour uh, on this day, Monday, and I wanted to do something a little different so I could bring guests back. So the interview format that I do on To a Certain Degree, which you can learn more about, toacertaindegree.com, uh, is difficult to do more than once with people. You kind of tried to sit in on it a couple of times, and it didn't really work. Well, I didn't really sit in. I just kind of just uh, looked at a bunch of CDs. Well, you've been here multiple times. On yeah, the I have. Yes. Oh, man, I've been here like... You're my most it, featured like, guest. Half a dozen times. Half a dozen times. That's At quite least. a bit. That's quite a bit. Uh, so we just heard from Milo. We're doing a show here called Odd Numbers where we each bring five songs to the table. Correct. And then a topic that Miller picked was five obscure albums. That's right. And so we're going through those. So I have a couple or I have one here. I wanted to talk about sort of uh, somebody that I feel like is the... I don't know how to describe this. Uh, You know, I I think that without, I I don't want to get into a big discussion about it, but in general, the music industry is a bit of a boys club. So you look at it and there's definitely more male artists, male bands than female bands and female artists. Yeah. And that goes double, I think, for jazz music. And I think for a couple of different reasons, it was, you know, definitely a boys club. And I think that even more so for the people who weren't vocalists, for the women who weren't vocalists, it was very hard to break in. So the album I have is from 1995. It's uh, Mimi Fox is the name of the artist, and she's a guitarist. So for, you know, I, I, I was thinking about Shirley Scott. I was thinking about who is a jazz organist, one of my favorite artists, and she's fantastic because you know how much I like the jazz organ, if you listen to the show at all. And Carla Blay, who is a band leader and a pianist, organist, 
But being a band leader, like a female band leader, is pretty rare as well. But I thought Mimi Fox, and I could be wrong, that uh, having a jazz guitarist, a female jazz guitarist, is even rarer than all that. And she's, uh, you know, what I would describe as a virtuoso. She teaches in a bunch of different places, and the songs are very cool. And I just remember hearing one off of that album called, uh, the album is Turtle Logic, uh, the Shining Star Medley. And you can hear her kind of humming along. You can hear her. She's so into it that you can hear it coming through, not only in sort of her voice and sort of this humming that's coming through, but also in just the way she's playing. Like that amount of passion on an album is just, it'll get me every time. And so I thought that was, that was really cool. And so, yeah, so that was the obscure album from 1995 that I picked for, uh, for that break. What's it called? It is called Turtle Logic. Turtle Logic. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I found that a lot of uh, a lot of the most passionate music I've listened to, it's folk. A lot of stuff is uh, folk music, such as Richard, Richard Dawson. You got Fleet Foxes, that kind of stuff. Uh, you do see a lot of women in the pop sphere and kind of the indie rock sphere. Sure. I, I agree. I've never really... I don't listen to much jazz anyways, but I don't hear about many female jazz artists, so that's pretty cool you pick that stuff so you can kind of give them the recognition they deserve. There's a lot of virtuosos that they play very well, but they got to... I think that virtuosity, you can be good with an instrument, but you got to have the songwriting chops. That's what you got to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has to be original. Like, you could do standards, and you <laughs> could put your own spin on it. So that's the nice thing about jazz, right, is that you can take an old standard, and there's so many that you could pick something super popular that's been popular forever or super obscure, and you could put your own spin on it. But, yeah, when you can write your own music, too, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. I've got a song to play here. We're going to hear uh, Clap Your Hands and Say Yeah. The skin of my country, yellow teeth. Yeah. You like the song, right? Yeah. Clap your hands and say yeah. On WPRK Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to Odd Numbers. This episode is brought to you by Office the Deep End. Where are you most productive? The shower? In the car listening to rock and roll? During a walk? Wherever it is, it's probably not at work. Office the Deep End has a solution for this. We will take your most productive places and bring them to your job. Taylor Swift on a loop, showers in every cubicle, plants and pets everywhere. Schedule a free consultation at toacertaindegree.com. Clap your hands and say yeah. On WPRK Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to Odd Numbers. That was the skin of my country, Yellow Teeth. Good morning, my name is Nick. I'm here with Miller John. Good morning, Miller. I always thought it was Yellow Country Teeth. It's Country Yellow, yellow Teeth? Skin of my country, Yellow Teeth. Yeah. 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 The skin of my Yellow Country Teeth. Yes. Yeah. I got that right. Wait. No, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Who's uh, to say? Yeah. They're not good-looking teeth. They need a little bit of work. I'm here with Miller. We're doing five songs. And five obscure albums. So hence the name Odd Numbers. So Miller, your last album for this hour. We are done with this hour already. This has been a good convo. Yeah. Which is short for conversation because I don't feel like I had time to say conversation. Oh, that's a shame. So field recordings, field recordings, field recordings. A kind of very niche genre, which really has 
kind of weird. It's like a live album, except there's no music playing. Okay, so when you say field recordings, it's literally somebody out there recording, recording a particular ambient sound. Yeah. So sometimes it might be out in a field. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's uh, just Swiss mountain transport systems by Ernst Carell. That's right. There's an entire album. Uh, you can get it on CD in Germany. It is just in 78 minutes of train noises. I think that's very cool. Yeah, train noises. I think that, and it's not like, this isn't a sound effect no. soundtrack or a thing that you can buy because what you want to do is put... 10, like there's some some songs are 4 minutes, some songs are 12 minutes. It's just a whole bunch of just recordings of trains. A lot of it is silence, but then every once in a while we get like... Right, you got to build up to it. Okay, so tell me this. This isn't something that you own. No, I, it, I I have it on my phone. Is it something you want to own? Maybe. If I ever go to Germany, I'm definitely going to look for it. Okay. What circumstances are happening where you're listening to this? Are you in your room? Your headphones are on. You're like, I need to escape. And just, I, I, I know you a little bit. So I know that, for example, you live very Harry Potter-like in a room underneath the stairs your uh, adopted aunt and uncle are very mean to you. That's right. You have a terrible, terrible, uh, their son is just so mean to you. And you've just been waiting for Hagrid to come to tell you you're a wizard. Uh, well, I'll tell you why I listened to this album. It's for a certain radio show that you decided to rename. Uh, yeah. I just kind of found this album. No, no, no. But I mean, why? Okay, so under, why would I listen like, to I'm this trying album? to put myself into into the position of somebody who would buy. This. If I don't want to listen to music, then I'll listen to this. So you want something in the background, just kind of to distract you a little bit. I don't know if I'm playing like, let's say I have a bunch of friends over for a sleepover. I'm I'm playing. We're playing Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, uh, and you know I don't really want to put on. Uh, other Competing other music. music. Yeah, I'll just put on train noises. As a distraction technique, I think it's really good. However, more likely, okay. So this this album it led me to field recordings, and so field recordings led me to the Connet project. Let me is that what it's called? It's the Connet project. So they released one album, and it's called Recordings of Shortwave Numbers Stations. So we have radio stations, we have FM and AM. Shortwave is a bit different. It is much longer range, and I think you need a special radio to listen to it, right? Yeah, and uh, probably a license to broadcast on it, but basically it's uh, hobbyists for the most part yeah. who are in this. It's also called the ham radio, shortwave radio. And so you build your own, and you can communicate with people. Uh, I don't think you can play music, but you could say whatever you want on there, yeah. I think. So this this they released a four CD album later five CDs the fifth CD is is just noise like noise stations stations that just play noise like like that kind of stuff but the four CDs it's just weird recordings like normal song lengths three to four minutes usually and it's just these weird repetitive like people counting 
people counting in Spanish, people saying Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot for like five minutes straight. It's just over and over. Yeah. And it is very, it's some of the most haunting audio I've ever heard. I've only listened to the first. Yeah. I've only listened to the first CD. You listened to the whole thing? No, the first CD. Even one CD I think would be a lot. Yeah, it's, let's see. Okay, Checking so the length. It's four you, hours and 52 minutes. Were you able to sleep afterwards? Yeah. No, it wasn't that creepy. Where were you? In my room. Like, oh, sorry. Uh, wh- but what headspace were you in? Like, you're just, I'm I looking just listened for to the train album. This. I, just okay. li- <laughs> I, I just listened to the train so album. That's probably a perfect follow so, for that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, just right. some weird stuff. Very good. Anything else about uh, field recordings you want to add? Field recordings. I heard there was there's one that Anthony Fantano of the 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 needle drop. He reviewed one. I don't remember what it is. I think it was like a, a field recording of a jazz march. I, okay. I'm really not sure. A field recording, just a kind of weird niche musical genre. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that for this hour. We're going to be back in a minute with uh, some more music and some more talking and some more Miller John. If you want to learn more about the show, to a certain degree.com. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Miller John, if you want to listen to the stuff that he's done on YouTube in terms of music reviews and uh, stories from he and his friend Davis. The to be decided. YouTube.com slash the to be decided. That's the channel name. The to be decided. The TBD. All right. Thank uh, you very much, Miller. We'll be back in a few minutes. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Cold Dish. Have you ever eaten at a restaurant? Psh, you don't have to brag about it. Disposable income must be great. If you've ever had a terrible restaurant experience and a social media post or bad Yelp review just isn't enough, Cold Dish is here to help. Just pull up our app on your phone and request one or more of our service trucks to simply sit in front of the offending business. Why just sit there? Because they're service trucks from companies such as Acme Rat Feces Abatement, Frank's Murder Scene Cleanup Hose Rental, and Black Mold Camouflage Installation, Inc. Cold Dish. Your anger, our trucks, their loss. Download the app now at toacertaindegree.com. Kids see ghosts from their self-titled album that was Reborn. 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 All caps. That is a collaboration project between Kanye West and Kid Cudi. Uh, They've had a rocky friendship throughout the last few years, or so it seems. But, yeah, they came together and... uh, And did that album? They did that album. It was seven tracks long. It was along with uh, Kanye West's solo album which Kid Cudi was heavily featured on. And then before that, a week before that, Pusha T's album, which Kanye executive produced. I think all three of those projects are great. So he had a big year, Kanye did. He had a very big year, especially before all his releases came out when he, uh, you know, started making... Bold claims, let's say. Let me save you from that. Good morning, my name is Nick. I'm here with Miller. I do this every week but this week's a little bit different so i wanted to have returning guests on and i wanted to change up when they came back uh obviously couldn't do the same interview style that i do on my usual show which is called to a certain degree which will be returning in two weeks because i'm taking next week off 
And uh, so I wanted to have Miller back. I wanted to have other people back. So I thought of this idea of five and five, five songs and five something else could be craft brews locally. It could be your five T-shirts that you've owned that meant the most to you over the course of your life. In this case, this week, uh, Miller decided to do obscure albums. Yeah, albums that maybe sound weird and not many people know about. So I have one that I'd like to talk about now. I've done a couple already, including uh, Mimi Fox, including Bruce McCullough. Uh, In many ways, I feel like this is, besides the Beach Boys Smile album, this is one of those albums that is, it was announced, it was nearly released, and then it was pulled off the shelves for reasons that are very strange. And so this became an obscure album, and this became sort of one that I wanted to find for a long time because I was such a fan. This is Prince's Black Album. And so, Miller, I don't know if you know, but Prince was hugely, hugely popular in the 80s. Yeah, he rivaled uh, Michael Jackson, right? In many ways, in many ways. He was actually supposed to uh, star in that music video for Who's Bad instead of Wesley Snipes. So there's all sorts of stuff. But basically from 1978 through 19, the early 1990s, he pretty much had an album come out every year. Yeah. And so for me personally, it culminated with 1987's Sign of the Times. Great album. It's sort of this mix of live and studio stuff. And Prince was really well known for recording a ton of stuff and then not releasing stuff. Yeah. Right? Like recording a ton of songs and then only releasing some of them only playing some live so as the follow-up to sign of the times while he was still in the studio i think he made enough stuff and recorded enough stuff for another album and he really felt so where the story goes this is still kind of like a lot of this is very in the mythology of not only prince but of pop music in general he wanted to get back to his roots a little bit in terms of uh, you know, being a little more funky. So this album also went by the Funk Bible because it didn't have a name. He didn't name the album. He wanted it to be released. And from what I understand, it was going to be uh, completely black, uh, only some pink writing on the spine that was going to be the, you know, the identification number of the album. And that's it. And I think the CD itself was going to be um, uh, just pink on the cover. And so that was it. That was all he wanted on this. And then all of a sudden, a week before it was released, he decided that it was too evil, that this thing was evil, and he pulled all of the records from the shelves. Wow. He ended up coming out with uh, an album instead called Love Sexy, which is not evil at all. It's a very lighthearted pop romp, a little controversial at times, but for different reasons. So anyway, so, you know, you, I, to me, Sign of the Times was so great. I wanted more. And Love Sexy was good. But, you know, I kind of built this up in my head to be this has to be the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, or this has to be the next logical or more like Sign of the Times. So it took me a while to find it. They finally released it in 1994. And I, I think to decent enough uh, uh, reviews – But at that time, he had kind of fallen out of favor. He was doing the, uh, you know, he did the the artist formerly known as Prince. 
the cymbal thing, and he was doing R and B that was a little less accessible to me, accessible to me, and so uh, it didn't have the same impact. Honestly, I can't even remember what it sounds like, and I lost a bunch of my Prince files. I think in one of the you know, various backups and hard drives and stuff like that. So I don't even have it anymore, but it is out there. It has been released. It was a little bit weird uh, for him, but what was interesting about it is that some people have found the original pressings. Like they basically destroyed all of them Mm -hmm. back in the day, but some people have found them either test pressings or the regular pressings out there in the world. So in 2006, I think, one of the copies went for like $15,000. And somebody just found 10 copies a few years ago, and those went for around $42,000, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Yeah, Uh, that's what it looks like. So pretty interesting stuff. And so to me, an obscure album is not only something that and eventually this did come out it is available i'm sure you can download it right now on itunes and that sort of thing yep but to me this was the epitome of obscure or hard to find albums for a long time and uh you know in many ways this was a symbol of me of what music was because it was prince and because it was something that i felt like was going to be so good you know, uh, there was that, you know, Martin Shkreli, who was this kind of not-so-good person. He was very, he was in charge of a, pharma, a pharmaceutical company. And yeah, he yeah, happened the to pharma have, bro. He, had, he happened to have a uh, copy of, one of the only copies of a Wu-Tang Clan album that was never released. Yeah, yeah, they put it up for auction and he bid everybody out on it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was actually a new album and I'm not sure if it's still in his possession because I'm pretty sure he's in jail now because he's such a... Yeah, but very interesting, the lost albums that will one day come to fruition because if there's there's a lost album, most of the time, people never know. People never know if there's like a completely thrown out album because they never really say anything about it well and you also have artists who record a bunch of stuff and then sometimes come out with the b-sides album afterwards right um or it could just stay around and maybe they remaster it and re-release it later on or they never release it at all yeah and then in some cases like jay dilla he has a lot like every year you see more and more rough drafts coming out because he just uh yeah has a bunch of stuff he just never finished all right, well, let's leave it at that. So let's play another song with yeah. my squeaky chair. I've got a little Esquivel for you with uh, the Gypsy's Lament on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. My guest, Miller. Miller. Check me out at youtube.com slash the two we decided, please. This episode is brought to you by Weight Boss. At Weight Boss, we believe the fastest way to a new you is with a really stressful work environment. We match you with your least ideal supervisor, leading to a level of dissatisfaction almost certainly guaranteed to help you stop eating. Um, Unless you stress eat, and we have no solution for that. Apply for your ideal weight boss at toacertaindegree.com. Esquivel with the Gypsy Lament. Gypsy Lament. On WPRK Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to Odd Numbers. My name is Nick. I'm here with... Miller John, yeah, Miller, thank right. you for being here. I'm, I'm Miller John. Yeah, yeah. No, I literally just said that a second ago. I'm glad. Okay, great. 
Uh, so we are doing a new show called Odd Numbers. We're doing a little bit of song playing, and we're also doing about a little bit of album obscure albuming. Okay, album talking. That's also a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I did want to play Esquivel. I just think that uh, that's a really interesting sound. When was you that know, made? Uh, 50s, I think. 50s yeah. or 60s. It's sort of the, you know... I guess we would call it now easy listening, but it was sort of this weird bachelor patty kind of sound that people did back then um, that was just fun. You know, you're you're at a tiki bar, you're drinking a Mai Tai. Miller, how many Mai Tais a day do you have? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm wow. not sure what a Mai Tai is. I'm not sure what drinks are. But, that yeah, that song kind of reminded me of uh, Jack White's album, Boarding House Reach. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Some of the later songs are very, like, kind of spoken word and strange and you know, that, that weird piano riff. Yep. All right. So what is your next album? My next album. So Japanese music. I, I've played, let's see, how many Japanese? I've played one Japanese song mm-hmm. by Propose. This, this band is a bit different. They were not very popular in their time. Like, they were active from pretty much the entire 90s. Uh after they broke up, unfortunately, their when I think their lead singer he passed away due to a, a heart problem. Uh, but the internet, I, I found them out through the site called Rate Your Music, and that's a very good site if you want to find out uh, some good music that you probably have never heard of because there's a lot of good, very highly rated obscure albums on there. Now, Miller, the way to learn about new music is through streaming services where you either put in the name of an artist and then they or give you, you just Drake. a radio station. And you just, they give you Drake. I'm obviously only Drake. being there's, sarcastic. There's only Drake. So rate your music. I think what's interesting is when you want and you have the time and you feel that it's important to put the type of effort in, mm-hmm. there's more to finding music than just those sites. I'm not even naming them at this point because I don't want to give them any free promotion. Yeah, so rate your music. It's uh, kind of, there's a lot of snobs on there, but overall, very good resource for finding music. So I haven't actually said the name of the album or the album band. Yeah, please. Fishmans. Fishmans? The name of the album is Long Season. Now, this this is so hard to find. It's not on iTunes or Spotify. I don't want to say it on radio because I'm okay. getting crucified. Well, you but, just did. Ah, uh, what? So, yeah, I had to download it through some questionable means, unfortunately. If I could support the band, I definitely would because this album is fantastic. They, they, uh, I'd have to say this is the most cohesive album I've ever heard. It's a single track. It's structured as a single track, 35 minutes long. It's kind of my, my copy I downloaded is broken up into five parts for convenience's sake. And yeah, it's just one giant journey of a song where instruments come in, they kind of join you for a bit, they leave, and sometimes they come back, sometimes it's just one off, like you're seeing a landmark in a, a land of music and audio and that kind of stuff. What would you, re- so no uh, lyrics? Uh, I think, yeah, there actually are some points the, the lead singer, he actually, uh, he kind of sounds like a girl, but he's not. He he comes in at some points and just kind of sings a couple verses. Yeah. Yeah. 
And okay, so what would you, all, all in Japanese, I take it? Yeah, all in Japanese. What would you relate it to? What is it closest to in terms of a genre? Like how would you describe this to people? Dream pop. It's very, it's almost like progressive pop. I don't know if that's, a, I think that's a genre. So, wow. So ethereal or? It's very ethereal. It's okay. very immersive. There's a lot of layers to it at certain points. And sometimes it just kind of shifts. Everything's so seamless. This album, you could listen to, I listened to it the first time I listened to it. It was on my bed. I was just laying down. I was on with my headphones on. I was just like playing guitar, just kind of like da, da, da. And sometimes I would, there was like a, a certain melody that came on. I would try to play along to that. Very, very good stuff. So, yeah. So describe another mood. So sometimes it's it's not easy to describe the genre. Were you relaxed? Were you just... It was kind of relaxing. At certain points, it gets very intense because there's a, like this industrial drum sample that gets introduced, I think, at the end of part three. It starts like dissolving everything else, and it's very like loud and uh, abrasive, I guess is the right word. And uh, I, I'd, I'd relate it closely to Close to the Edge by Yes, that album and song, because yeah. that, that's very long songs. Uh, sometimes... Uh, it, it kind of resembles Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Because, you know, Shine On, You Crazy Diamond, that's, that's a very long song, very uh, seamless. Yeah. What kind of video game would it be the soundtrack to? What kind of, uh, some, I don't know, indie video game. I'm not really, <laughs> I, I don't play a lot of video games recently. I All right, like fair enough. Two. So you would recommend this, but it's not easy to find. It's not easy to find, but it's so worth it. It is completely worth it. You might want to check out some of their their other stuff. Uh, they have a very, very highly rated live album, which let's just see if I can add. And that's Fishman's. That's Fishman's. Their live album is called December 28th, 1998. Oto Katachi Wakare. I think that's... Close I don't have it written say. down, but... Sure. I think that's that's the name of it, but yeah, nice. the, that actually that live album has this entire album in it as one song, and it's longer. It's just the live version. I haven't listened to that yet. I've heard it's even better, so I'm gonna. So have they to. play 35 minutes, just one song. Yeah, the whole the whole thing is like two hours long. It's wow. insane. Nice. All right, we'll yeah. check that out. Fishman's. What's the song we're gonna hear next? A uh, song we're gonna hear next. It is. Sunday Break by Shing O2, Japanese rapper. Anything else you want to add about this? Uh, MF Doom influences, I suppose. Some very interesting... So, yeah, Japanese producers. You got Nujabez. He's a very popular instrumental artist. Shing O2. Uh, I, I've not listened to that much Japanese hip-hop, but this is a very good album. All right, and we'll listen to that on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. This episode is brought to you by... My own private antelope. How can you be closer to the animals, in danger from the animals, without being in the enclosure with the animals? The answer is, we can't. My own private antelope allows people to spend as much time as they want in a zoo. Hurry from the hippos, sidestep snakes, duck the ducks. Finally, you can experience nature as nature intended and pay us handsomely for the experience. Is it dangerous? Maybe. Well, absolutely. Reserve your enclosure at toacertaindegree.com. 
Shingo 2 on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Sunday break. That was a nice little break in the show as well. Uh, Miller is here as my very special guest. This is a show that we're trying out, trying on for size, odd numbers. And odd. so, wait, you got did very you have, odd. Yeah. Well, uh, usually, usually, usually you'd be hearing to a certain degree at this time but wanted to figure out a format where I could bring back guests because I like talking to people more than one time. And occasionally they like to speak to me more than once as well. In the case of Miller, sometimes forced to come on the show. So five songs, <laughs> five obscure albums. That's right. That's sort of the theme for this week. No, that not sort of. That is exactly the theme for this week. So if you yeah. like the show, you can go to a website called To a Certain Degree. Dot com. The show will be up later on. And you can also hear more of Miller's reviews of music and other things at his YouTube channel, The To Be Decided. YouTube.com slash The To Be Decided. Id. Slash. Slash. Uh, charn. Yeah. Great. So speaking of Charn, I have a... Okay, so... Obscure albums to me, ones that may not be that popular, ones that may not be that easy to find. And, you know, it took me back to thinking about working at radio stations. You sometimes see stuff, you sometimes get stuff that may not be out there. So I'm going to take you back to the year it was 1997, where there really was no, over 20 years ago, there really was no distribution on the Internet. The only way you could get stuff as a radio station and as a as a consumer of music was to buy it either on CD on cassette and somewhat on albums at that time still. So the idea was that I was working at the radio station. So I had access to music that I normally wouldn't see or normally have. And they would often send, I was working at WUCF here in town and people would often send us stuff that we couldn't play on the air. So I would get that. I would take that home with me. You know, I couldn't rip it. So I would just keep it. And one of the albums was a, a gentleman called Charlie Chesterman. Charlie Chesterman. And it was really good. It was Dynamite Music Machine. It was very alt, yeah, not even alt country. It was, you know, just very twangy, rockabilly-ish kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed it. And what's interesting about this is it was always one of those albums and one of those artists I wanted to return to to learn a little bit more about. But I was so busy with everything else going on and every other artist in the world that I never did. And now I'm kind of sorry about it because I found out in, in researching this that he passed away in 2013. Oh, that's sad. And he was a big part of what is known as the cowpunk movement in Cow Boston punk. in the late 80s with a band called Scruffy the Cat. So. He was in one of Iowa's first punk bands. He heard about the scene out in Boston, so he moved there, founded with some other people the band Scruffy the Cat, mm -hmm. which was the name of his band. And so, and this is, I want to do a little more research, so I didn't have time to fully dig into this. Founded something called Cowpunk, Cow which punk. is a little bit country, a little bit uh, punkish. I see Crest Punk over there. Yeah, so it's, of course, there's a lot of genres out there. And what they said on Wikipedia, so take this for what this is, is Cowpunk was one of the uh, harbingers, one of the predecessors of the alt-country movement. That's and so, yeah, so whether or not that's true, 
Charlie Chesterman, very talented, listen to some of his other stuff, just has this incredible voice that makes you want to listen to him. Apparently a great songwriter, and everybody really liked him. Now, you know, a lot of people, I uh, only listened to one of the albums, so people might say that, you know, I, I don't have a full picture of who this guy was, but I can, I would highly recommend that uh, album. But it's just interesting how sometimes you come across things accidentally. It's got deja vu for some reason. You talking about only listening to one album for some reason. I don't know. Of of a particular artist? Yeah. Yeah. Have you talked about that before? Probably. Yeah. All right. Well, I think in the sense of, you know, sometimes you listen to something. Uh, I was just talking about Prince, right? We were talking about the Black Album uh-huh. and how I wanted to have everything by him because I really liked it. And so I got to see the progression from who he was, the... The 1999 stuff, the Little Red Corvette, to Sign of the Times, even past that to, you know, and in really getting over the Batman uh, soundtrack and pretending that never happened to uh, Diamonds and Pearls and his time as the symbol versus Prince. The Uh, Gold Experience, wasn't that one of his albums uh, under the symbol? Yes. I don't know. It could have been. So the idea is that, um, you know, you sometimes you only get one album from somebody and maybe it's so meaningful to you or maybe it's just at the right time where you're like you know what i don't necessarily want to explore anything else from this person because i'm afraid that might ruin it for me yeah i don't know i'm always too curious to hold myself off of that so you hear it and you're like i wonder what else this person yeah. has done like most of the time yeah. when i get a new album even if the new album isn't all that good like queens of the stone age villains has like one good song on it or two good songs there's not that much good stuff on villains but i heard it i was like i'm very interested in this band's discography queens of the stone age so i went back and i got rated r which is just great it's a great uh, kind of stoner rock album and you're listening to entire albums too yeah. so that's something that i don't really do anymore yeah so i like the mixtape sort of approach to stuff and i'll talk about that for my next album in a little bit, but let's play a song. We still get another album coming from you, Miller. Oh, boy. Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin. That's the name of this, the band. Boris Yeltsin? No, Someone Still Loves You, oh. Boris Yeltsin. What's the name of the song? My Terrible Personality. <laughs> that is uh, the name of the song. I don't have a terrible personality. No, you don't. You have a personality. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. And you'll hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Hey, Nick here. Uh, that that seemed unnatural. Uh, it's coming up on hurricane season. We're going to get to the summer. There's going to be storms. And guess what? Your power is going to go out. If you're like me, you have no idea how to use or even look at a generator. So what are you going to do when it gets hot? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have a new sponsor called Enchant Suits. They basically make wearable environments. So the idea is that instead of trying to cool your house, you're just trying to cool you regardless of the other people that are around. So it's a spacesuit, essentially, advanced technology, I'm sure, safe, possibly, and it recycles your waste, which is pretty neat, I think, for a lot of people. So you're home, you're cool, the power might be out, but you're drinking your pee and chant suits. Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was my terrible personality. I'm always a fan of a band 
that makes their name almost inaccessible to people by I've, making it too long. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Uh, a lot of times it's used for comedic effect, like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Sure. But sometimes, like I see with a lot of metal Are albums. Are you saying they're not, they're not super serious about their name? I, I see sometimes with a lot of metal albums that they deliberately make the logos like nasty and they make the names kind of gross to kind of insulate people who don't really want to listen to it. Oh, to show that this is not something you're like a lot of Norwegian metal is so abrasive and so noisy that like it's it's so insular. Hmm. Interesting. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with my very special guest Miller, and so we have just a few a couple breaks left on this uh, edition of Odd Numbers. We are going through talking about some songs and talking about some obscure albums that was the theme for today we each brought five songs and five obscure albums this has been a i think it's been a really good conversation open my eyes to some new things definitely which is kind of the point so your next album miller what do you have so uh this is the i do not have notes on this one because technically the field recording one that was that was two albums you got the train one and then the shortwave stations one so this is going to be a six album. So I'm already breaking the cycle here on the very first episode. Great. But we it got. It's called Odd Numbers. We got. So you need two more albums. Punk by Eric Taxon. So I'm being a punk and I'm, we're, we're, we're talking about punk. So punk, Eric Taxon, I discovered him through his video essays. His video essays, they kind of vary in quality, but some of them are pretty, pretty good. And. I found out about this album through one of his essays, and it was about copyright law. And this album is, its whole theme, its whole concept is about copyright law and how he really does not like it. Because the whole point he makes is that copyright law, it's not really to protect anybody. It's not to protect an artist. It's to protect a company. Correct, that, That's yeah. the really the thing he's trying to make. And he does that, he kind of makes that point by taking every single like commercial song that you can think of and just mashing it up so you got papers and planes by oh, what's her name the that that mia mm-hmm. mia her we got uh the almond break you know the almond break where it's basically this drum sample that was super popular and then the the people who originated it they sued everybody over it and so people have to pay a lot of money to get that uh, a bunch of taylor swift there's a song on here which is just uh, an AJR song, which is just a not a very good band. They, uh, it's called I'm Not Famous, and he just takes that that complete song and he just puts that on his album to make just a point. Whoa, wait, he didn't, like, record it and cover it. He just took somebody else's yeah. song and put it on the album. Now, okay, so is he, he's not selling this. He's not, it's free. Okay, so you can go and download it. So that's how he's kind of skirting some of the probably. But you can pay for it. I think that's if. Because on the last like song. Like a donation type of thing? Well, it's like Bandcamp. You can pay yeah. zero and up. So that's kind of the thing. At the end, he, he the last song, Popstar, the whole thing is he just gets a bunch of pop artists, samples them saying, sue me. And at the very end, he says, have at it, pop, pop artists, sue me. And so, yeah, the whole point is like, come on. So it's somewhere between, it's not really a serious 
album then. There are a it's lot of very of interesting a, songs that come out of it. Like it's right. it's a lot of mashup albums. They're not very serious. Like a song I'm going to play next, Tiger by Neil Cesariga. He is a very cheeky. He just takes is this very jokey kind of stuff. He makes mashup music for the laughs. But okay. he is making it for a point. Okay, so let me ask you this, because what I know from mashup, uh, it's very, I think, uh, it's definitely not the most well-known artist, but it's something that I know fairly well because I like him a lot, is Girl Talk. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. I actually, I, I've not had a chance to listen to them. Okay, so that is mashed together, but in a way that makes it very dancey, very listenable, like you could, and every song kind of ties into the next. So is this more of a, I, I want to call it like a, it kind uh, of an experiment. Yeah, it's an experimental mashup album, really. It, it takes it, it takes it. It's it's Plunderphonics. It takes it and it makes completely. It makes something completely new. And Neil Cesariga, it makes it. It combines two songs like almost seamlessly, and that's kind of the joke of it. Like you're not expecting uh, the YMCA theme to be played with this very ambient, creepy, like triumphant song. And then that that's kind of how he does his stuff. And then Eric Taxon, he does stuff like uh, one of the songs on here, Drummer Hoff. It's basically. He takes this, this, it's like a children's book. It's like a poem where it's, Drummer Hoff fired it off. Sergeant Peril brought the barrel and stuff like that. <laughs> and he kind of turns it into a poignant message about people blaming other people. Because the whole thing is people blaming Drummer Hoff when they really should be blaming everybody else who helped him like, get Do to all the, that stuff, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's, it's kind of nice. All right, well, let's listen to the song. Uh, tell me the, the artist again. Neil Cesariga. His name is very hard to smell. Spell. It is hard to smell as well. <laughs> he, Neil Cesariga, has made, is, is very huge influence on the uh, internet world. He's made so many viral videos that you probably wouldn't even know that it was him. But yeah, it's him. If you, if you think of a viral video, it's probably Neil Cesariga. Okay, very good. And the name of the song? Tiger. All right, I thought there was going to be more of that. Yeah, it's just uh, Tiger. Uh, it's Eye of the Tiger mashed up with uh, that one song. All right, well, we'll guess it when we hear it, I guess. Yeah. So thank you very much, Miller. Uh, we'll be back in a second. You're listening to WPRK for now. Tiger. Eating, walking, weather, the restroom. What do all of these things have in common? Right, they can all mess up your clothes. And your clothes are literally the most important things you wear on a day-to-day -day basis. As much as we'd like, we can't replace eating, walking, weather, and the restroom with something less dangerous to our appearance. Guess what? We have a solution to this terrible problem. Turnabout is the first company on the planet that manufactures clothes as stylish as they are reversible. You will literally be wearing your clothes inside out, ready to do the old switcheroo in case something untoward happens. Turnabout clothes look exactly the same in either configuration, and they are manufactured with a space-age polymer that prevents liquids or puddings from soaking through. Get sized at toacertaindegree.com. Neil Cesarigo on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Tiger. That was Tiger. I mean, what else can you say about that? It was Eye of the Tiger mashed up with... It's an in excess song, and I was just going to look it up, but uh, I cannot, for whatever reason, when you hear something like that, like if I just heard the lick and... 
I, that kind of stuff? Yes, but it's like foreign to me right now because all I can get in my head is Tiger. Uh, tiger, yeah. So I think it might be Need You Tonight by NXS. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Miller. Uh, this is our last break of the morning for a new show format called Odd Numbers. We each brought five songs. We each brought five obscure albums. So I'm really glad you brought that one, Miller, because that was a very interesting song. Yeah, so that's a mashup song. You got a lot of mashup albums. We just talked about kind of a mashup album, but some more artsy mashup album. We got, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, I want you to listen to some girl talk so you can hear sort of, in in ways it's, I guess it's comedic, but it's more fun than comedic. It's more like I'm trying to make a new song out of old songs. And so it's more along those lines. But anyway, so we've got one more, which, you know, is kind of a mashup. So let me take you back to 1998 because it was a magical year. Not so much. You know, it was the late 90s. Yeah. But it was before we could burn CDs. Oh. It was really, maybe we were just at the cusp of that, let's say. And you can make mixtapes, but they took some time and they took some energy. And so burning CDs and mixing CDs was a little more difficult. So really the way that you got a mixed CD and was a compilation of various artists or a soundtrack. And so one of the best ones I ever owned, and this to me was, and it's, it's an obscure album because it's the soundtrack to a movie that I don't even think is available anymore. I was looking on Amazon last night and this, the DVD, there aren't any new ones. The DVD used was $35. And it was, a, it was a movie called Zero Effect, Bill Pullman, Ben Stiller. And what was interesting about it, it was set in Portland. So it's got kind of this West Coast vibe, but it was in the late 90s. So it was well beyond grunge. And what was happening was uh, acid jazz was a big thing, whatever you want to define as acid jazz at that time. And so they had the Gray Boy All-Stars, which Carl Denson was in, a bunch of other people were in. Uh, they're very famous musicians and really talented. They had them score the album. So you not only got a few of their songs on there, you got some really incredible songs. Like this was, I remember thinking like, this is one of the few albums that is a, a mixtape in a way that I would listen to all the time. You had... Nick Cave, Mary Lou Lord, Dan Byrne, uh, Elvis Costello. Like I said, the Grey Boy All-Stars were on there. And it was an introduction in many ways to Jamiroquai. Um, so it was this really great album, but not many people know about it. So that it, it had the mix to it. It had everything else going for it as well. Yeah. So uh, from a soundtrack perspective, you know, you don't always see that. Yep, that's the one. Uh, just looking at a picture of it. And the the movie itself is very obscure now, as well as it turns out. Yeah, Ben Stiller. Was that earlier in his career? Because, Much earlier yeah. in his career, before he was super popular, yeah. So it was interesting to, to see something like that come up again, and I still listen to it to this day. So 20, 20 years later, Miller. 20 years later. That's the same year that the last U.S. Uh, CD reissue of that self-titled david bowie album happened great to know i think is it a coincidence yeah great that's okay. 20 years i'm glad we Perfect cleared number. that up uh so anything you have to say about soundtracks in general movie soundtracks uh soundtracks let's see 
I know there's, is there, there may be a couple. Uh, soundtracks to me, I, I usually don't listen to soundtracks. Sometimes, every once in a while, I would listen to like video game soundtracks. That was more back in the day. Although I do have one called the Kirby Cafe, like the sound of the Kirby Cafe, which is more of a compilation kind of stuff. Uh, I, I honestly don't have that much experience, like just listening to movie soundtracks, whether they be whether they be compilations, whether they be actual scores. Mm-hmm. I just that's not much of my. Although I do have access to them, like you got that that hard drive full of them. You know the soundtracks. I I own everything. Yeah, there's a bunch of soundtracks. I've legally obtained all of that. I mean, there's some there are torrent files left over. Duh, 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 duh. I don't think you. I don't I'm think cutting you, all this out. Oh, so this has been. What do you think about the show format? I like it. Yeah, probably should have uh, packed more in about that train album. <laughs> I think I could have said much more about that train album. Well, you have, I'm giving you an outlet right now. Say whatever you want about that train album. The album of ambient train sounds. From Germany. And and loud, noisy train sounds. Well, it's a train. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've okay. established this. Right. So what else do you want to say about that? Ernst Carell. I think you should reissue that CD. Ernst, if you're listening. Ernst. Mr. Ernst. He's, Mr. Carell, He's I think. part of, like, a million bands. A bunch of, like, free jazz, like pretentious kind of improvis- improvisation. Well, calling him pretentious isn't going to help yeah, your pret- case. Pretentious, I mean, this is a college radio station. We got to be pretentious here. Uh, <laughs> well, fair enough. So, Ernst Carell, I propose to you, release it, please. Release it, please. What release else can it, we please. say? So, right. let's leave it at that. Miller, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you if they want to learn more or if they want to hear more of your music reviews, if they want to hear more stories from you and your friend Davis. YouTube.com slash the to be decided. And I also, I don't know if I should be advertising this. I Yeah, I probably can. Museum thing. Yeah. So at the, I think starting late August, late this month, my one of my videos, it's not going to have any uh, music review stuff in it, but it's going to be in the Manello Art Museum in an exhibition. So check yeah. that out. I added that. Very nice. Yeah, the Manello Museum asked for high school artists to mm-hmm. submit stuff, and your submission was accepted mm-hmm. and will be on display there. Yeah, I think it's uh, late August that that starts. Yeah. So it's very cool. Nice job. Yeah, check that out. All right, we will. We all will. Everybody. Yeah. So this has been Odd Numbers. My name has been Nick. You can, uh, if you missed any part of the show and you want to listen to it, you can go to a certain com and check it out. And it's probably going to be on my channel. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, whose is it going to be more popular on? Yours. Yeah. No, no, no. That's for sure. You're listening to WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This microphone is pretty. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Odd Numbers. You can learn more about Miller and his co-host Davis. You can listen to them tell stories, review albums, not just obscure albums, newer albums as well. And you can do that at youtube.com slash the to be decided. T-H-E-T-O-B-E-D-E-C-I-D-E-D. Yes, that's how you spell it. I've been Nick. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the show, either the regular version of 
to a certain degree. More episodes of Odd Numbers. Any other special episodes that we do on this sort of, you know, this network of podcasts that I somehow have gotten myself into, go to a certain degree.com. Thank you so much for listening.